Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. If you just kind of recognize some of the things that we're going through or dealing with in this time frame, how many of you can say that you have been sensing a shifting within the body of Christ? Can you sense that? I mean, if, if you've got your spiritual antenna working, you can say, you know, I've begun to recognize or sense that there is a shifting within the body of Christ. And, and that's a good thing. God's looking to, to shift some things into place. And, and the reality is, is that if we were to look throughout church history, how many of you know that the church or the people of God continually come up to intersections in their life where God is endeavoring to move them forward. And as we can see the progression of us getting closer to the end, how many of you know that that collective voice is getting smaller? Now here's what I mean by that. The Bible says that as the return of Jesus comes, He says it's going to return back to the days of Noah. Well, how many of you know that it was only Noah and his family that were faithful to follow God? When it came to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, remember God said, as it is, the last days will return back to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Aren't we seeing that today? And so even though there are more Christians on the planet than there ever has been before, how many of you know that the population is more than it ever has been before? So even though there are more Christians on the planet, collectively the voice of the church is becoming quieter, and obviously there's opposition to try to quiet that voice. But he's looking for a people that in this shifting, that when we come to this intersection that we're facing in this hour, is that we would rise up and become the people of God that God has called us to be. How many of you are willing to stand up and say, God, I want to be that person? Amen. And so today, we're standing at an intersection. Now, when I say today, I'm talking about today. You chose to wake up this morning, and every day that you wake up in your life, you have a new intersection that you have to encounter as to which way you're going to go. Am I going to go my way? Am I going to go no way? Or am I going to go where God's leading and directing? But once again, in this day, there's an intersection for we, the body of Christ, the season in which we're living. And so therefore, we're going to have to ask the question, God, where are you at? The reality is, is that we can get anywhere from here. But once again, there is a tension that we are experiencing within the body of Christ. Again, you might look at it in regards to your, your personal life. And it seems as though there's a literal tug of war going on on the inside. And once again, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, there is this constant pull. And, and I said it in our, our prayer group, I think last week, I said, uh, the, the more I endeavor to purpose to seek God in this time, it seems like my flesh is screaming even more. And obviously, you know that the enemy wants to bring uh, opposition, bring distractions or whatever it might be. There's this literal tension that's taking place. And so maybe you've recognized it in your own personal life. And maybe it looks like something like this. You know, you're examining your life and you're saying, you know, I've, I've got all the stuff that we need. I've got the house. We've got the home. 
or the, the cars rather. We, we've got all the toys. We've got the money in the bank. But even though we look around and we've got security of life, it still feels like something's missing. It just feels like there's something more. And, and, and just maybe our ignorance, what we end up doing is we go shopping to try to buy something else to fill the void. But we just end up having more stuff. And obviously it, it creates the, the, the endorphins and the, the heartbeat pumping when we make that purchase. You know, new pair of shoes, new pair of uh, uh, new purse or whatever you ladies, you know how it is. Fishing pole for us guys, I don't know. But, you know, it, it will get you excited for a moment. But after you make the purchase, you still are recognizing, man, I just feel like there's something more. Maybe in regards to your marriage, you're looking at your marriage and you're saying, you know, the marriage is okay. You know, it's not like we're having major conflict. But as you're examining your relationship with your spouse, you're saying, it just seems like there should be more and it just seems like all the stuff that we have you know it comes at a price you know because obviously we got to go to work we got to work the overtime or whatever it is and it just seems like our marriage is okay but it just seems like there's more maybe you look at your children and and you look at your kids and you love your kids and they're doing okay and and even though you're 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 recognizing that they're doing okay you start to look at them and you think man it just seems like we're roommates in the house. We just pass each other. You know, I put food on the table. I wash their clothes and I don't even get a thank you. And so you begin to wonder, you know, where are my kids at? It just seems like there's more. You might be examining your health and you say, you know, I'm healthy. I haven't been sick. I haven't got that crazy Rona thing yet. I'm okay. But even though I'm healthy, there's this ever lingering presence of fear of what if and once again it seems like it's this heavy burden and then maybe it just seems like in this last season of time that we've been going through maybe you're sitting thinking it just feels like my my focus is is off my mind and my thought life is just cloudy it just seems like i have no focus for life and once again, maybe you find yourself in some of those scenarios, or all of them for that matter. And once again, it is the hour in which we're living that there is an opposition to try to, to distract us from what God has in store for us. Because you can get anywhere from here. But once again, my biggest heart cry is, God, where are you? Because once again, as you woke up this morning having a choice facing the intersections of life, saying, which way do I go? I don't want to go what's a way that seems right. I don't want to go the way that my flesh or my emotions tell me to go. I want to begin to examine and survey the land and say, God, where are you? Because God, that's where I want to go. But here's the good news. If you'll purpose to endeavor to go where God is, he won't leave you alone on the journey. He's got the destination for you to discover. But all along the way, he's going to be walking with you on the journey. The moment that you take the step to say, God, I want to go where you, you are. He begins to partner with you and he begins to lead along the way. And on that journey and on that path, listen, I'm telling you, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face uh, uh, speed bumps. You're going to face potholes. But here's the thing. How many of you know that if you're going where God is, he knows where all the detours are? So many Christians, as they live out this life, they walk through this life hitting every speed bump 
and every pothole in the road, and they're thinking, dear God, how come the wheels are falling off my life? And God's saying, listen, I know where they're at. I know where the potholes are. I know the detours and the exits that you should take. But if you'll purpose to follow me and listen to me, I can get you heading in the right direction so that even on this journey in this path with me, as there's trials and tribulations that will come, you can bypass them or you can sidestep them or miss them altogether because you're following my leading and my direction. Amen? If you're sensing those things, you're not alone. So many people right now in this hour are experiencing that. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know, I, I've gotten some decisions in front of me. I, I've, there, there's possibilities of new jobs. There's a, a possibility of a move, new relationships, new responsibilities. Or excuse me, maybe you're just feeling like I'm in limbo and I don't know which way to turn. Once again, the question we have to ask is, God, where are you? Where are you, God? And how many of you know that he is not slow to tell you where he's at? Now, here's something that I want to bring to your attention in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. And we may abbreviate this message a little bit this morning just because of time. But nevertheless, we'll get, get out what needs to be shared this morning and maybe we'll just pick back up on it next week. But in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, this might be a familiar passage of Scripture to, to some. But it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Let me read that first part again. There is a way that seems right to a man. There is a way that seems right. Everybody say, seems right. There's a way that seems right, but the end leads to destruction. I looked that up in a couple different translations and some of the definitions of that. And listen to what it says here as I studied it out. The way is also in one translation, a justified path. There's a way that seems right. Or it's a justified path. So to justify means that I've got to have some reasoning going on that says, this seems like the right way to go. And therefore, my actions and my direction, I'm going to justify it. Another translation says, a way, direction, a course of life, or even habits. And it's a, a, a habits of that which seems right. That which is pleasing or that which is correct. So if it says to us that there is a way that seems right. Then it tells us that there is more that's going on on the inside. Rather than me being led by the direction of the Lord. Or being led by my spirit. My senses or my emotions are getting involved. How many of you have ever made decisions based on emotions before? And you thought it was right. You thought it was God. And at the end of the ordeal, you're like, dear God, God wasn't in that. That was just me. And I just made that happen. And boy, it sure turned out to be a disaster. Has anybody ever been in that position before? 
Maybe he can say, is, oh, there's been relationships, so I've done that before. I think we all have been in that place, right? So the question is, is God, where are you? If there's a way that seems right, I want to say, God, where are you? Now, I think to some degree we have been a little bit dismissive with that whole idea of it seems right. And what I mean by that is that as Christians, and some of our callousness, I believe, we say, well, you know, I've done my best. You know, I tried. I mean, I'm human after all. What do you expect? And it's almost as that we got this chip on our shoulder for the wrong decision that we've made or the mess that we got ourselves into. And God says there's a way that seems right. Well, rather than just getting a chip on our shoulder and say, well, I did my best and I tried. What do you expect? No, there's going to be a day that we stand before God and there are going to be consequences that we experience in this life sooner or later. And rather than just saying, well, bless the Lord, I tried. No, we can have a humble heart and say, okay, God, I don't want to do things my way. I want to do things your way. I want to follow your leading. Because how many of you know the Bible says that the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. So God's a good God. He's not leading in any way that you're going to say, God, I just hate this. I wish I could get that over to the body of Christ that wherever God leads you, you're not going to be disappointed. Whatever decision God leads you in. If you were to pray for a husband or a wife and God brings you somebody... If it's the desires of your heart, you're not going to wake up one day and say, God, I sure got shortchanged on this one. No, that person is going to be somebody that you love. I didn't say that they're not going to get on your last nerve from time to time. I mean, that's just personalities. Amen. How many times did I get on your last nerve yesterday? Amen. So, once again, God desires that we follow His prompting and His leading. But this is not the hour that we live life hit or miss. This is the hour that God is sifting and shifting some things. And this is the hour that you don't want to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. You want to be where God wants you to be. But it takes you following His leading. Amen. I remember uh, Mrs. Hagen. This was back when I was in Bible college. She was sharing one day in class. I think it was during exaltation. There's a time of our student prayer, student body prayer time. But she was sharing this. She said, you know, I got up in the morning and I was getting ready to come into the school. And she said, something just kept stirring on the inside. Don't leave yet. Now, if you know anything about Mrs. Hagen, she's just a very anal, very detailed person. And if she's going to leave at 7.30 sharp, she's going to leave. I mean, that's just her personality. And so she said, man, it just seemed like, don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. And so she's like, well, man, I got to go. I got to go. But finally, she recognized God's trying to get her attention on the inside. And so she's, okay, God, I'll just wait. You know, when it's time to go, you just let me know. And so she said it only took five minutes. And then all of a sudden she had the release. Okay, you can go now. So she got in her car and she started driving down the road. Well, as she got down the road a few miles, there was this horrific car accident. How many of you know that could have been her in the car accident and probably would have been her because God was directing her, just hold up right now. 
Well, if God can do that for one, how many of you know that He can divert you out of all kinds of trouble in your life? And He can lead you to the right place and get you all the blessings that you so desire for your life. Amen. His heart is to lead and direct you. But once again, we don't want to be hit or miss in this hour. So, in regards to being led, when it comes to, we said that there is a way that seems right, would imply that somebody is following their emotions. Well, we have to break down the makeup of who we are as individuals because God made us as a triune being. He made us to be a spirit. Find that that in Genesis chapter 1. He says that He gave us, or we possess a soul, and we live in a physical body. You might say, well, I I thought I I was a body. No, if you're going to live in the earth, you got to have an earth suit. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, what's present with the Lord? It's your spirit man. And then there's coming a day that God's going to recreate and give you a brand new body. Perfect. Come on, man. I'm going to have a six pack. Oh, it's one of one of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> I might put a request in for some other things. <laughs> but anyways, uh, again, I have a body. Uh, all right, I live in a body. I possess a soul, but I am a spirit. God wants to lead us by our spirit. But when we're living life where it just seems right, implies that I'm going off of my soul, and my soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. So in other words, it's your thoughts, it's your feelings, and it's your your desires. But how many of you know that if your soul gets confused, it can get out of a line, and it can seem to be leading yourself in a direction that's right, but it's really wrong? And so, again, as we begin to define this and and look through this lens, if you will, through following the leading of the Lord, because you can get anywhere from here, and where we want to be is where God is. So we could say it this way, because we're using it as an example, as an intersection, you could say it this way, your soul is your blinker. You put your blinker on, and what does your blinker indicate? It indicates what direction you're going, right? And so once again, as we begin to look at this, we can begin to unfold some things. And and, and let me just preface this. A spirit that is undeveloped will surrender to an underfed soul. Or excuse me, a well-fed soul. Let me say that again. A a spirit that is undeveloped will surrender to a soul that is well-fed. Now, again, I know that might be a a mouthful in the moment, but let me break it down for you. Your spirit man wants to do the will of God and follow God. But if you're immature or you haven't developed the spirit man, your soul will try to override and direct and lead your life through your emotions. How many of you know that in regards to this culture that we're living in, and please hear me, I'm not picking on anybody or pointing fingers. It's just a reality. But within the body of Christ, the Bible says that we have a promise of health and healing. But then we hear this story or hear this news that there is a virus. And then you see the body of Christ almost become so fearful 
are full of fear that they become paralyzed. Well, why did they become so fearful and paralyzed of a virus of Jesus paid the price for healing? It's because the emotions of the soul begin to become supercharged and their feelings of doom and gloom overcame their spirit and their faith in God. Now, that's not to be critical because all of us have been there in, in some form or fashion. But does that make sense? So we could say it this way. It's like having two dogs on the inside of you. One man said it this way. He said, this is how I feel when it comes to my emotions and, and just the, the, the promptings and the following the leading of the Lord. He said, I feel like I have two dogs living on the inside of me. He said, one is just full of compassion, full of love. And one is this, this ravenous dog that just eats your face off. And he said, and they're just fighting on the inside of me. And he says, I don't know who's going to win. And the man that he was telling the story to, he says, oh, that's easy. He said, the one you feed the most will win. Right? So you can feed your spirit and your faith will grow and your ears will be inclined to follow the leading of the Lord. Or if your spirit is undeveloped, then you will feed your soul on everything else around you. And therefore, your soul will become stronger and will begin to have dominance and lead your life. God's desire is that your soul and your spirit partner together. So that way, when your emotions begin to function, your spirit can get them into check. Or your emotions can come in line with your spirit or your faith. Or your will and your desires will come in line with the heart of God. Are you tracking with me? Now, once again, I know I'm kind of unloading some things on you because I'm trying to cram in a bunch of stuff in a short amount of time. Are you tracking with me? Everybody on the same page. All right. So how many got your blinkers on today? You got your blinkers turned on in the right way? All right. All right. So concerning your emotions, we said that your emotions are a are a part of your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Emotions are a byproduct of what you focus on. I said your emotions are a byproduct of what you focus on. There was a time. Now, this is a long time ago. This is like 25 years ago. There was a time. Or my wife's emotions were so out of control for me that she drove across the country on spring break, man. She had bald tires and she, she came all the way across from Oklahoma just to spend spring break with me. She was willing to put her life at risk because she was so in love with me. Are you getting what I'm saying? Her emotions. And now, she tells me, get it yourself. <laughs> but you get the point. Emotions will drive you. When it comes to your emotions for somebody, it will that's what you focus on. Therefore, it will drive you or propel you. In every aspect of life, your emotions are that what causes, or, or a byproduct rather, of what you're focusing on. Amen? All right, so let me finish up with this. Again, I know that I'm getting halfway through my message, but I'm going to leave you with a nugget, and we'll come back with this next week. Is that all right? In Psalm chapter 91, 
In Psalm chapter 91, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read it from the Passions Translation. But it says, When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold that shelters me. The only God for me and my great confidence. Let me read verse 2 to you again, because that is such an amazing, powerful verse. Verse 2 says, He's the hope that, I ho that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me. The only God for me and my great confidence. What are they focusing on? They're focusing on God. They're not focusing on the circumstance. They're not focusing on the virus. They're not focusing on the finances. They're saying, God, you are my confidence and you are my stronghold. Amen. Now, you can have a stronghold in God or Satan can bring a stronghold to your life. The strongholds that the enemy brings to your life comes through the thoughts and the imaginations if you'll buy into them. But God himself says, I desire to be your stronghold. Now, look at uh, uh, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21 in verse 22, it says this. He says, a wise man scales the city walls of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Did you hear what it said? They bring down the stronghold in which they trust. So by definition, what is a stronghold? It's that which you put your trust in. So if we truly are putting our trust and our confidence in God, God can be our stronghold. See, we're standing at the crossroads today. God's sifting the body of Christ and he's saying, come up higher. Let's go forward. Let's bring this thing to an end. Let's bring this thing to a climax because Jesus is coming. I want you to be the glorious church. I want you to stretch forth your hand and do signs, wonders, and miracles. I want God to be shown through your life and the love of Jesus shed abroad in your heart. But it's going to require you to go where I am. And right now where you're at. You can go anywhere from here. But all along the way on the journey. God longs to be your stronghold. Your confidence. That which you put your trust in. So what do you think the enemy is going to. Consistently try to work on. That which you trust. Right. He's going to try to come against. Your belief or your faith and that which God is. And oftentimes when it comes to our trust, our trust is conditional based on how quickly God answers. I said our trust is oftentimes conditional based on how quickly God answers. And if he doesn't answer it quick enough, what happens? Then our emotions start to go. The enemy starts bringing thoughts and suggestions and we've lost our confidence. Now listen to this. If you're not experiencing victory. Then you have succumbed to the stronghold of imaginations. 
Let me say that again. If there's something that you're believing God for, if there's something that you need an answer in in your life, if, <clears throat> excuse me, if there's a direction that you're endeavoring to go, but it seems as though we're not experiencing victory, then if you're not experiencing victory over a length of time, then you have some, succumbed yourself in some area of your life to imaginations. And what are imaginations? Imaginations are pictures of future events. So in other words, you've said, I've already saw the defeat, even though I say I'm believing for the victory. Amen? So what are we doing? We need to learn to lean on God. God, I need to lean on you. I'm purposing to move forward and entrusting in you. My imagination, as I said, will always ha or always has or has to do with future probability and likelihood. But I want to let you off the hook for just a moment. Or not off the hook, but give you some peace of mind. Because when you purpose to put your faith and trust in God, you're going to have thoughts. Thoughts will come. Discouragement will come. Opposition will come. And what ends up happening is oftentimes what the devil will say to us is like, well, I thought you were a person of faith. I can't believe you're thinking that. I can't even believe that that would even be a thought that you would entertain. But when you're purposing to trust God, the thoughts that come are not yours. They're fiery darts. Remember the scripture says that Satan throws fiery darts or the fiery darts of the wicked one. And we're to quench those darts. Why? Because they're thoughts that he comes or that he brings. And so he's wanting us to take authority over them and bring them into subjection to the knowledge of God. So we're endeavoring to go where God is. Amen? Now let me just finish up with this. We'll come back and we'll wrap this up. But can you pull that up? Uh, Psalms 23. Oh, you got it up before I even got there. I'll endeavor to read it off the bat. So listen, in this journey that you're on right now, you're standing at a crossroads, an intersection, and you can get anywhere from here. And it might have been a bumpy road thus far. You may have experienced all kinds of difficulties thus far. If you take a step back and zoom out, you might find that where you have been all this time is just a place and a season and a path that has seemed right to you. But God needed you to get to this place so that when you move forward, it's no longer you seemingly doing what's right, but you're knowing what you're doing is the will of God. Now, as you move forward, as I said, you're not just going to where God is. He's walking on the path and the journey with you. Look at what it says here. If we'll purpose to stir our thinking and our hearts and stir our faith on God's faithfulness, it will cause us to endure and God will become our stronghold. Look at what it says. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I mean, you could stop right there and just have a, just have a Holy Ghost dance. Woo! <laughs> I shall not want. Why? Because the Lord's my shepherd. Look at the next one. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
Well, there might be some rapids right now, but if I'm following him, if he's walking with me, where's he leading me? Is he leading me to more rapids? No, he's leading me to the still waters. It's the next one. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And though I, uh, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Come on, how many of you know that you are going to go through some tragedies and difficulties and hardships of your life, but it says that He will lead you through them. And it says that you don't have to fear. He says, you're my rod and my staff. You comfort me. What's the next one? You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup runs over. Oh, come on, we're on this journey and we're walking with Jesus. And so many of, of his people say, well, this is so hard to serve God. I never have enough. We barely get by. No, he says that when you're walking on his path, he says your cup is full and it's running over. If it's not running over, then you might just be on the wrong path. You might be in the path that seems right, but he's wanting you to get on his path. And he said, this path, it runs over. Praise God. Well, man, I hit a speed bump and it spilled out. Well, he's still pouring, baby. I mean, you might have lost your whole drink, but he says, I'm still pouring. And it's going to pour until it fills and runs over again. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Come on, how many of you know that it might feel like the devil's on your heel? He's piggyback riding you, riding like a monkey on your back. But look what it says. He says, surely goodness and mercy, they're following me all the days of my, my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. There is more in this hour. There's more in this season. You have not begun to see, experience, or taste the goodness of God. But you have to be in the right place at the right time. I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. I've said this to you before, but listen, God has saved the best for the last. This is a race that Paul said. Paul said, I've run my race. I've finished my course. It's time for me to go home, be home with the Lord. He says, now I'm passing the baton. And anytime you have a relay race, you always put your best and your fastest runner at the end. That means you and me, baby. So that means that God saw your worth. He saw what he had in store for you. He saw what you were capable of doing. And he says, the best is yet to come. Amen. So just hold on. Praise God. We might just get to a place where we get together and we start talking and we're just like, wow, wow. And you start telling your story and we're like, wow, come on. How many of you know we're living in some wild moments? Amen. Well, did that help anybody this morning? We'll finish up next week and wrap it all up. Why don't we stand? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in the midst of this church. I thank you, Father, that you're not slack in your promises. And so, God, we want more. We want to position ourselves right where you're at. And we thank you that the best is yet to come. Oh, the Word of God says that morning is for a moment. Oh, but joy comes in the morning. God, I thank you that there are times that we have heavy hearts. Oh, but God, you said you restore joy. So God, I thank you that the future is bright.
I thank you that as long as we keep you in front of us, we will continue to run this race with goodness and mercy, full supply, our cups running over, and peace and calm in the midst of a raging world. So God, we thank you for this is our finest hour as a church, as a people, as families, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.